My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Sometimes it's important to just get to what matters, and this episode is exactly that. Yes, this is episode 322. I would have loved to do a Skull and Bones episode, of course, you know, that's one of my main areas of interest and research. For those who want to learn more, they can sign up and support the show and hear the first episode in a multi-part series dedicated to that exact topic but because of what happened uh, on august 8th i thought we ought to get some of my hawaiian friends who i've podcasted with from hawaii together to talk about everything going on in maui before during and after the event so this may be a little late but i got three different perspectives here uh, including my own so that makes it four we have first Seb and Loomis will be joining me and then in the second part of this episode I'll be speaking with Roman uh, you know Roman you should know Seb and Loomis as well if you've listened to this show for some time they are all currently in Hawaii this is a very interesting and special episode thank you for tuning in and enjoy this conversation about the Maui fires here on the my family thinks I'm crazy podcast I'm your host mystic Mark thank you for tuning in and enjoy this conversation with Seb, Loomis, and Roman. ...of health. And tonight, with so many questions about these fires, ABC News with an in-depth timeline, hour by hour, as these fires spread. Why did so much time go by without significant alerts? Why weren't the sirens used that they have here on Maui? Authorities and their explanation right here tonight. More than 100 people have died here, and there are more than 1,000 still unaccounted for. And tonight, the Red Cross, just before we came on the air here, has now declared this disaster a mass fatality operation as they carefully search through the debris for remains, asking loved ones to please provide their DNA. A mass fatality operation. Mass fatalities may occur as the result of a variety of events, including natural disasters or disease outbreaks, large accidental incidents, or as the result of the intentional use of a chemical, biological, radiological, or explosive agent. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are back again on a very special emergency episode of the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. To borrow that term from our dear friend Sam Tripoli at Tinfoil Hat, he's had me on for emergency episodes, so now I feel granted I could borrow the term. So here we are, and I'm very excited, grateful to have two gentlemen who happen to be on the ground level, we'll say. I don't know that you guys are on the same island. We're, we'll get into that in a moment. But uh, you guys are out there in, in the nation of Hawaii. And uh, I couldn't think of any anyone better to have on to talk about this very suspicious, very sad, and very telling circumstance. Telling when you look at the world in full view the total perspective. I mean, these kind of things are happening on a mass scale. So it's no surprise that the indigenous are being affected again in this way. But before I put the cart before the horse, let's get into this with our guests. First and foremost, the veteran, we've got Loomis from Chan It Down. If you haven't heard my interview with Loomis before, I've been a guest on his show. He's been a guest on mine chant it down radio it's a great podcast he's got hundreds of episodes so go and check that out and of course our second guest someone who is recently a newcomer to hawaii i don't know if you've been there before maybe you're from hawaii originally i don't know the background yeah i am i grew up here okay so recently a homecoming we'll put it that way so Seb yeah. recently returned to Hawaii, and Seb hails from the podcast Diggable Light, which if you like this conversation, you're in luck because that episode is with our man Loomis here, so go and check that out. But plugs and promotions aside, I have you guys both here for obvious reasons. Everybody knows what's going on in Hawaii, but I think you know few people are getting the truth We'll say, obviously, the mainstream media isn't great at that, but even in the alternative community, you know, with all the conjecture and speculation, I thought, you know, why participate in that when I can have people who are actually there and we can talk about what you guys have witnessed, what you've seen, what you've heard. So, yeah, maybe before we get into all of that, Loomis... Seb, in that order, would you guys like to introduce yourselves and maybe tell the folks where you're at in Hawaii? I mean, you don't have to tell them your address, but, you know, what neighborhood or what, you know, township or however you guys distinguish that over there. And and then, yeah, we'll get right into it. All right. Well, hey, thanks. Thanks, Mark, for having me on again. And uh, good to talk with you. I'm Loomis. I'm the host of Chan It Down podcast. Been around for... 10 years and counting, and uh, yes, I live in Hawaii. I reside on the island of Oahu and in the city of Honolulu. So I'm on the main island, the most populous island next door is Maui. And I know a lot of listeners may not know Hawaii that well, so I'll give just a really quick breakdown of how the islands are. There's eight main islands, there's four bigger ones, and there's four smaller ones. And most people live on the four bigger ones, and I live on Oahu. Maui's next door where the fires were. And uh, Seb's over on Big Island. So we're, but we're here in a way on ground zero because when one island is hurt, all the islands are hurt. And this was a horrible tragedy that had my suspicions up from pretty much the very beginning. But maybe just to start off, 
I wanted to share a few details before the fire happened that adds to the speculation of what went on here and why these these this whole event is not just something we can write off as some natural disaster. So I thought I would just talk about, first of all, we have Governor Green, who I can say a lot of bad things about, and we will, but he was on vacation, okay? He was off island. So was the mayor of Maui. And how we do these islands out here is each island has its own mayor, and then the governor's the governor is like the head of all of them. So it's a little bit different than you do in the mainland. The mayor was on vacation in Maui also. And the fire marshals for Lahaina, which burned down, were out of town that night. School was canceled because we had a hurricane south of Hawaii, far enough that it wasn't really a hurricane, but the winds they thought might affect the you know school. So they canceled it for the day. And new insurance companies took out new policies right before the fire. So you have a lot of suspicious things from the start of it when we really dig into it. And then we have the actual fire. Now, I don't want to get too far. So I want to let Seb talk to and you guys can talk more about it. But there's definitely a lot to to look at just right there because You'll notice a lot of times in these big events we have in this century of psyops, that's what I'm calling the 21st century, that there is always people, important people missing, happen to be on vacation or somewhere they weren't supposed to be during the time. There's all these different little details that always seem to be the same with each event. So I just wanted to get that out of the way, first of all, these pre-fire things. But yeah. I'll let any of you guys take the floor from here. Well, yeah, thank you, Loomis. I do want Seb to chime in, but I appreciate you setting the table for us like that because it it does seem like with these events, if we're going to look at the overall pattern, and Greg Carlwood mentioned this on his interview on Tinfoil Hat recently, that you know they did everything they can, it seems, to let this situation get worse rather than prevent, mitigate, damage control, that kind of thing. So yeah, I'm eager to get into all that. And I definitely want to establish the background before we talk about the actual event. It's kind of funny. My girlfriend's very close friend actually lives in Maui and left for Maui back from, she was visiting over here on the East coast. And yeah, the day before the fires happened, she returned home. So a little weird synchronicity there that, you know, I was hanging out with my girlfriend and I were hanging out with this person that lives in Maui right before that happened. But Seb, you, as Loomis mentioned, live on the big island, which is not Maui. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself, of course. You've been very busy, as you mentioned before we got started here. But yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and then maybe tell us, you know, what was going on that week before it all went down? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So my name is Seb. I'm originally from the big island here and spent a lot of my adult life in, around the United States and just moved back here about a year and a half ago. And so, yeah, I know a lot of people here, friends on most all the islands and had many friends there on Maui who, who experienced what was going on. And that's all just kind of wrap it up there about myself is, is as far as what was going on before, 
you know, it's a little hard to say the wind, I will say the winds really aren't anything that out of the ordinary here. We, you know, we have high winds a lot. It's a pretty regular occurrence, you know, those winds weren't really anything that exceptional. I think Loomis would agree with me on that. You know, I, my, my suspicions were raised immediately because I would say the first thing that raised them is that there were multiple fires that broke out. There was in three different locations on Maui, there were fires that broke out and there was also a big fire that broke out here on the big Island. And that to me just didn't, I mean, that just seemed a little weird. It's, you know, it's one thing about Hawaii is it's pretty lush. It's pretty green. You know, it's pretty hard to start a fire here. It's a lot harder for it to get that out of control. You know, I've witnessed fires in my area and, you know, they're pretty small and there's a good response to brush fires and they'll get it contained and put out pretty quickly, you know, and it will, it won't burn the fires that I've seen here, they don't burn like with such intensity that there, that the tree, there's nothing left of the trees. I mean, a fire will burn through, maybe burn the leaves off, burn the grass up and, you know, and then that's it. You know, you'll still have the standing tree skeleton with some burnt leaves on it, you know? So things like that, I'd say those were the immediate uh, odd strangeness that that I was noticing about these this fire and yeah it's interesting. you know if, if we go ahead I was to say one more thing and just to kind of just to kind of get this conversation going here the what's going on now is and Loomis can elaborate on this too but is the biggest I think the most important thing the starting point in this is that the information people are getting is just so, so wrong. I mean, the mass media is telling everyone that only 111 people died. And, you know, we know people that I know are who know first response workers, people working with the morgue over there, they have found, you know, at least I think by now over 500 body remains. And beyond that, there's still, you know, a lot more people just missing. So, you know, we can pretty much assume that the numbers of actual people killed in this are well over a thousand. Yes. Wow. I agree. Yeah. Now, just to, again, keep on the background for a moment, I recently heard that Oprah who considers herself the queen of Maui uh, a few years ago had a private road built that she had some trouble getting, you know, together. There were people in the neighborhood who said, no, we don't want you building this road here. And curiously enough, there was a fire and then they built the road. So, you know, we have examples of fires being started, (laughs) you know, in those coincidental quote unquote ways but maybe that is getting a little too far ahead. So, Loomis, you were getting into some of what was going on prior to the fires. Is there anything else that people should know that occurred prior to, what was it, August 8th when this occurred, 8-8? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, 
me and Seb have talked off air and we talk pretty frequently about stuff because, you know, we're friends here in the islands and we have talked about the winds. Now, where Seb is on Big Island, it's more south than I. So we have this hurricane south of us. It was Hurricane Dora. And this was pretty far south. Like most of these don't usually affect us. So that's one thing that I want to say. But the other thing is we have normally in Hawaii, our trade winds, we call them, come from the northeast, and that's what gives us most of our moisture. And, well, here on Oahu, which isn't too far away from where Seb is, we were having strong trade winds, yet they were saying the winds were coming from the south, which they were where Seb was, but where I am, they were coming strongly from the north. And so I suspect some kind of weather manipulation here at play because it was very anomalous winds. The wind direction was very anomalous to where I was like, well, wait a minute. So how is these hurricane winds, the ones that are fueling the fire, if they're coming from the Northeast? They were really strong, yes, but I was looking at all the flagpoles. And I was also looking, I am a pretty big studier of the chemtrails and all that, and we'll get into that. But, like, they weren't spraying at all these days i at least in my skies it was clear nice blue skies and clouds regular clouds but what i did notice and we both seven i have talked off air about this is there's some weird haze in the like it was like not in the sky but so much like in the horizon and it was reported on a video in lahaina too kind of strange like white haze really weird haze yeah, it was a weird was. haze, and it was on the day. It was on the day that the fires started, and it just—it really was eerie and weird. It's not totally not normal here, right? And you know, it wasn't. Sometimes there'll be like volcanic. We call it vog. It's like smog, but from the volcano. And but it wasn't that. It totally wasn't that. Oh. Yeah, so it was that was really weird. I have not, I have not seen anything like that. And that was the day that the fire started. Yeah. Right. And so that, that was some kind of, you know, we can speculate on what that is when we get into the speculation, but I just wanted to nail, lay that down that those two anomalous things, the winds coming from the Northeast and the strange haze were things that I noted on that day and the day before too, but especially on that day. Right. And to reiterate, you know, I'm sure each island of the eight islands have their own sort of microclimates depending on position and whatever's, you know, consists on the island. Obviously, a volcano, you know, having one or not having one makes a difference, right? Maybe this is a stupid question, but how many volcanoes are in Hawaii? Is it just the major one or are there multiple? Well, Here on the Big Island, there are two. There's Kilauea and Mauna Loa, and and they've both been active recently. But outside of the volcano, I would imagine, never being there, that most of Hawaii maintains a pretty temperate, like decently wet. Oh yeah, you know. Oh, yeah, right? I mean, like, you this know, this isn't we, a place where you have typical and, forest fires outside of maybe when the lava flows, right? Yeah, there's not like, there's not crazy forest fires. Like, there's just not. Lahaina is a pretty wet area. Well, part of the shore, though, is dry. It's more leeward. Of, it's on our leeward side of Maui. So 
but we have dry and wet sides on these islands because of the mountains. So okay. when you go with like every south and west side of the islands is leeward of the rainfall that comes to the northeast. So you have more rainy pockets versus dry pockets. And right now it is the driest month of the year. I'll give them that. But it doesn't mean that these fires can get that out of control because we've never seen anything like this before. Well, and again, we're just setting the table. I think, you know, when we look at all the details, it's going to be clear that maybe the decision was made to create this disaster. Let's say, you know, if I could hypothesize that it was created. They, that If you were to do that, you would want it to be in the driest time of the year. A, because yeah. you're going to have the biggest effect, and B, it's a, the easiest cover, right? Because, oh, well, hey, it's the exactly. driest time of the year. You know, we have, we've had fires like, haven't had a fire like this in 100 years. They're saying about, what, two years ago there was a fire. I haven't had this in 100 years, right? So, you know, we want to blame climate change, but when we really take a good look at Hawaii's climate, I would argue that, you know, this kind of thing is an anomaly. And when you see the anomalies stacking up, <laughs> we'll get into what the hypothesis might be. But what's really interesting that you guys just noted is the haze. And I want to read something that I spoke to. I don't know, maybe you guys listened to my most recent episode that came out Friday. But either way, the guest Topher had a very interesting explanation for at least direct energy weapons. I mean, we're not necessarily saying that this was used in Hawaii, but when you said there was a haze, that sort of rang a bell here because what it sounds like is all they need to do is create a sufficient charge in the air, and this can be directed and this plasma effect almost appears like lightning and it, it creates a lot of destruction, right? I mean, and it's on a visible or invisible spectrum. But he said, first of all, we only see 3% of the light spectrum. The destructive incoherence, the elf wave, is like a bass tone. Whenever you're listening to EDM music, the elf is hitting and the vibration is surrounding everything and then you hit a discordant high frequency note and then you hit a dematerialization note and it's a combination it's a triple access weapon doing a poor job of reading this because it's translated from audio to text by ai but uh, doing the best i can so but essentially what he's his point was is you don't need a drone or a weapon or a missile or even like something to deliver a laser beam he says this type of effect can be directed from the other side of the globe just using the right amount of energy and affecting the atmosphere in this way so you know these types of weapons are possible harp is an example of one of them the air force has these sorts of capabilities not necessarily saying they were involved but yeah i mean when you consider the billionaires who have stakes in this part of hawaii yeah i imagine they can probably farm out this kind of service from who knows who but what is that well you know also just to mention there there is a a facility let's call it for that technology there in maui 
And that that is Greg Carlwood talked about it when he was on Tripoli's podcast just recently. So, and that's, you know, documented, verified that there is a facility for that technology there on Maui. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. And I would like to add that these elites, these, these billionaires mm. are just puppets and for the elites, but they have pledged allegiance to this dark elite force that they want to, you know, put in their smart cities and their yeah. cashless society and whatever they want to do, whatever they can do to help facilitate that they will. And so Oprah, Mark Zuckerberg, all these assholes out here, Jeff Bezos, they're all, what's the guy that owns Lanai? I can't think of his name. Ellison, Mary Ellison, all these guys are, I'm sure in allegiance with the dark, this dark force. And so with them, you know, probably like, yeah, they'll give them that what they want, these billionaires, but they also have to, you know, be in league with this force to put in their 15 minute city, but we can get into that later. But yeah, I, yeah. You know, and on the, on on the 15 minute city, it's important to mention that governor green just very recently had given a, like a keynote presentation at the, at the UN about, you know, declaring that Hawaii would be the first U S state to reach that, like, you know, 2030 agenda, zero emission type of plan, which is all about smart cities, which are prison cities, technocratic prison cities. So, you know, so he had just made that declaration. And I mean, that's no small thing, you know? Well, yeah, that's another pre fire thing that should be said that they are going to have, or were they going to have, I think it was going to be a smart city or was it a cashless conference here or something like that? Right. Like either was it before or after, but this is all put into place. Like they're going to, now he's the Island for those that don't know that the elites, I would say is the most sold out Island. I mean, I live on Oahu, which has over a million people. So you could say it's really sold out. Yes. But Maui has all the real elites that have property there and, they seem to have the they, they have property that they have property right there where the fire was and their and their mansions are untouched you know when yeah. everything else not even just down to the water but even the marina and all the boats everything else was just you know it's just smoked it's gone and yeah. their places are just fine you know so right playing that untouched yeah Right. And then, you know, that defies how we've understood fires at this level, you know, that you look at some of the pictures of what happened in Lahaina. I mean, the houses are completely leveled. So you have that much destruction and it seems so concentrated. I mean, people are quickly pointing out, oh, well, that tree is standing right there. You know, how did the fire burn the house and not the tree? Or how did it get the house and not the car? And you know, it definitely yeah. starts to this notion that maybe there's some other, you know, well, effect or force at play here, you know, with this sort of directed heat, right? I mean, how there's really no other way to describe it because a, a traditional fire, it gets out of control. Now, the firefighters, they had no water. The water was 
yeah. completely tapped, yeah. right? They went to go and spray the hoses and it was tapped. And you even mentioned earlier that uh, some of the firefighters were not uh, not around that night. They took a, the night off. The fire marshals, yeah. And two, like, so now the, it, they're treating it almost like a radiation zone, like a nuke went off there or something. Media, not that I trust the media, of course, but no media. There's a 12-mile media band in that area. Yeah, the fire hydrants are dry. People are not allowed in. We should talk about the fact that there's many locals that are trying to help and trying to bring in food and supplies for these people, and they're being denied by FEMA, and they're being—they're not allowing these people to get the goods that they need. Only FEMA is allowed to do that. And one of the things that FEMA can do is they can take control of an area, and they can do all kinds of things with that because they can, what they call executive orders, they can take all, over all the transportation, the highways, they can take over the seaports, they can take over the communications, the media, they can take over all electrical power, fuels, and even minerals, and they can take, they can control foods and resources, and airports and commercial craft, and they can relocate communities. They have too much power. These, it's just like the WHO and other, these other big conglomerates. They have way too much power. So no one is allowed to even bring in goods. Hawaii is a very, for those that don't know, people out here have a lot of aloha. They care for each other, and they look after each other, and they're trying to help out their fellow people. Hawaii is like that. They're not, it's not as selfish as some places I've visited. So I feel like you know, Hawaii is extra that way, and they're not allowed get goods. These people are going out of their way, taking boats to these visitors and they're being denied and they're not allowed in this area. It's really weird. And it's like they're trying to contain these people. It's almost as if they got a dose of radiation in there or, you know, and they're going to get everybody else cancer or just, you know, it's been very weird how they've handled this. I, I don't know if you guys have noticed that part. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, and I would just want to say on that, you know, I, I think that hopefully uh, I felt like the conversation around whether or not it's directed energy is in a way a weapon or something is in a way a side tangent that isn't really as important as pointing out all the other stuff that has been was done to make this like definitely done to make this as as deadly as possible, like there was no water. They shut off the water. They couldn't put, you know, who did that? Who made that call? You know, they also did not, they turn on any of the alarms. Yeah. The whole, um, Maui has the biggest in the nation or in the world, the biggest like alarm system of, that, that can go off and warn everyone as say, if there's a tsunami or something, there's, a, and they didn't sound any of the alarms. And they blocked the roads. They literally had cops blocking roads so people could not get out of town. And, yeah. you know, one of my friends who was there driving around trying to get out of town was blocked at many different, the exit points that she could take to get out of town. And just, yeah, for no real explainable reason, there's, I mean, why? There, there was no good reason for the, police to be blocking the roads. And when they were asked, why are you blocking the roads? Why are you allowed? They just said, these are my orders, you know? 
Yeah. So when you look at all of those key factual pieces of evidence, you know, it's pretty staggering. You know, why was school really out? Kids go to school when there's strong winds. It's no big deal. It wasn't like, it wasn't like a hurricane where we're going to get, you know, 20 inches of rain and there's going to be flooding. There was there was no real danger of right. any of that. So, it See, was no, like, you know, it was like 700 miles south. Let me ask this. Yeah. Cause, cause that confused me when I heard that is Hawaii is the Hawaiian school system on a different schedule than like, I don't know, my school schedule when I was a kid, we had summers off. So when I heard that, I was a little confused because around here, all the kids are off through, you know, June through No, August. kids are going to school. Huh. Yeah, August yeah. 1st, I think kids went back. Okay. So, oh, yeah. wow. uh, I don't know why, because when I was growing up, we August was it's the hottest month anyway. <laughs> it's like, why are you going to bring the school kids back to prison camp? early like that but anyway right, right. it's hot yeah. in what's classrooms but yeah so school is in right now in uh, session so yeah yeah but there was that you said the, another thing just to add to what you were saying sub is the the alarm so the alarm never went off and so i've been through situations out here where there was an earthquake this was like in 2012 there was an earthquake somewhere i forget where and it's the tsunami warning went off because they were afraid of a tsunami is going to happen. And I was staying at the time I was dating this girl and she lived near the ocean. And so the cops came through the area with a bullhorn and said, you got to go to higher ground. You got to get, you know, got to get out of here. So why, even if they should, didn't want to sh- do the tsunami alarm, because actually it's good for all natural disasters, not just tsunamis, hurricanes, wildfires, it even states, but why wouldn't cops come through with their bullhorns and say, evacuate now or something, you know, nothing. There was no warning at all for these people. In fact, the cops just followed their orders by keeping everybody in. And of course, I was just doing the only people, or I was just following the, only people. the worst excuse in the world. Sorry to, I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm all, yeah, it's okay. It's a delay. I mean, I, I just got to say also, you know, I mean, emotionally, and just mentally and everything, this event has hit me just about harder than anything that I've ever seen in life. I mean, this is, it's hit me really hard. So if I'm a little jumpy and interjecting or something, when I have a thought, I apologize, but you know, with what you're saying about the alarms and the evacuation, the only people who did get evacuated were tourists and hotels. They got the word, they got out, ahead of it. So, you know, it's not like no one got evacuated. It's just a little bit fucking weird that, you know, they, those people got the heads up, you know? So, yeah, yeah, on and on. So it's like at every level we're seeing like major issues in, in, that just don't make any sense. Why block the freaking roads when, you know, as I saw one guy who was right there being interviewed, say he just said beyond that cop blocking the road, it's just free open road. No, there's just, you know, just nothing, nothing down that road. Everyone could have just, there could have been, there could, there could have been hundreds of people, who didn't have to die, who got out, who could have gotten out of there, you know? 
Yep, all those people in that line of traffic were scorched and burned alive in their cars because of cops following their following orders. I mean, probably the worst excuse in history is I was just doing my job or I was just following orders. And again, that comes back as so many other times in our world history. It's the order followers that are causing this problem. You know, the elites yeah. tell them what to do, but they don't have to listen. Yeah, no. It's just mind boggling. And, you know, it's mind boggling. And it's so, so fucking tragic that, I mean, what a, what a horrific way to die. So many people who died were little kids were children of all ages, you know, a lot of people, them home from, they're home from school. So their parents are, both their parents are at work. Maybe they've got their big, bigger sister or brother watching them. You know, the parents aren't even given warning. Like this is a serious thing. And then, you know, the fire just sweeps through at this unbelievable rate, the, a rate that just, is, you're like, what? That. It yeah. makes no fucking sense. How does a fire move that fast through town? It's just, it's my mind. But the tragedy of, you know, what may very well be over a thousand people died such a horrific death very recently. And there's just no way that, you know, it just all signs point to the fact that it was intentionally made to however it was started. I don't really care. It's just, however it was started, it was definitely made intentionally to be way worse and have a much higher death toll. Blocking the roads, yeah. turning off the water, all of that definitely is just, there's no way that's an accident. There's no way that's all accidental. You know, if you believe that, man, I don't know. People, yeah. It's the reaction to this. It's the reaction to this that is, is the big thing to watch. Because, yeah, w you know, who knows? We don't know how the fire started. and But it's the reaction, all the politicians and how Governor Green, who is, you know, a big pharma sellout, you know, he's he was the one that put in the vaccine passports here and all that earlier. He's saying all the words in his speech about sustainable development and blames it on climate change. You know, he's just such a puppet. And I knew when they got him in, th this was bad news. Like I knew they finally got a big globalist governor in here. He was Ige's handler too, our former governor. I just want to add that in. Yeah. And you know, very important too is the police chief there in Maui is John Pierce who was the police the police commander uh, in Las Vegas for that whole Harvest Festival shooting uh, that happened. So, I mean... Seems like somebody that, got a promotion whoa. to a better job in a tropical getaway destination. Yeah, they're like, hey, man, you sure did a good job at fucking totally hiding all the evidence and giving the scripted narrative of this, like, shooting... You know, this insane, ridiculous mass trauma event in Vegas. Hey, come over here. We got another job for you. You know, I mean, this, the, that, that guy is just, I mean, take one look at his face. He, you know, he's, 
he's a evil stooge of the highest yeah. order, yeah. most corrupt highest order, you know? Right. Now, yeah. I, I just want to, I want to ask you guys about the residents in the specific areas that were affected. Cause it's my understanding that many of them are native indigenous people who are active in the community and adamant about keeping the property that is their right to own through ancestral inheritance or whatever you want to call it. You know, they were there first, right? <laughs> I mean, this oh, rule yeah. applies everywhere else, but where the indigenous are, it seems. There's no other place in the United States where the indigenous are so have such a strong, like land ownership and, you know, community and, I mean, Hawaii is very special in that regard. And, you know, the Hawaiians, the locals, they're, they don't, they're not going to give up their land. They don't want to give up any uh, one more inch, you know, and so, yeah, that's an, that's been an ongoing thing, a real strong thing going on in that area where they're all those locals are next door neighbors with Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Oprah Winfrey, Will Smith, Lady Gaga, they all live right there. They own the whole waterfront, you know, and so it's definitely an issue there. I think that's been an issue in Hawaii forever is the locals, especially the native Hawaiians in particular, but locals in general, which is many cultures that have intermarried here for generations, have been struggling to survive for so long. They make it so expensive here. A lot of people have left Hawaii and sold their houses out to, you know, millionaires here that can afford to live here. It's just a continuation of a horrible story. This time it's gone out of control to where now they're, you know, I guess these people were in their way. So they decided to incinerate their houses. I mean, it's just, it's, I still have a hard time even like wrapping my head around that the entire town of Lahaina is gone. It's a place that I didn't spend a whole lot of time because it's very touristy, town like the, you know but just to think that all the memories i do have there will never you'll never see it like that again because it's just completely gone like that whole townscape that whole front street area is just gone it's touristy but it's all locally owned and independent right. little businesses owned by the people who live there you know so yeah you know, another, here's another just really absurd. I mean, this is just a smoking gun in this situation that should really get attacked and looked into is there was a book released 48 hours, yeah. two days after the fire. And it's called fire and fury. It's already on print in print and available to buy. And it's chronicling that it's talking about the first three days of the, after the fire, the fire, it, well, three days, it's like, what? It was released two days after. So it's like telling the future, you know, it's just like, what the fuck? And, you know, of course this book is just all, you know, just making it a tragedy that it blames on climate change. But I mean, it, that to me is in a way, just a way that I feel these monsters they'll just put it out in the open. Like, you know, it's just something that's so blatant that just shows that like, you know, well, just shows. It. 
The author of this book is curiously also helped, what, Hunter Biden write his book or wrote a book about Hunter Biden sympathizing about him. So, yeah, it's clearly within this same agenda. And, you know, it's no coincidence that this sort of thing seems to go on when we have Democratic presidents in office, you know, not to get political, but hey, politics affects us all directly. And, you know, if we don't get active, this sort of thing can happen to you, literally. I mean, these poor people here in Hawaii who, as you put it, were standing on firm ground with what they had left after being encroached on for hundreds and hundreds of years, you know, trying to maintain their way of life and keep their heritage alive. And, you know, of course, because this place is sought after, And it's also isolated, right? So I imagine that's part of why the elites like it there, because they know know, it takes a certain, you know, wallet (laughs) amount of money in your bank to even get out there, right? So, you know, that affords them a lot of protection. And I guess, yeah, they don't want to share that with people who they see as lesser thans. You know, Oprah, the champion of the minority until she becomes, you know, the 1% and then turns her back on, (laughs) you know, anyone. But uh, yeah, Queen of Maui, that's Oprah here, folks. But when it comes to the indigenous being encroached on, yeah, there's a pattern of this. And, uh, you know, Hawaii, as Loomis and I talked about in our first interview, Hawaii has a history with colonization, you know, from the fruit companies to now the tech billionaires. And so this isn't an old thing, but it does seem like uh, there's been a war wage. I mean, I remember being on the East Coast, the first image I had of Hawaii outside of it being a vacation destination was Dog the Bounty Hunter, like, running down meth heads. And I wonder, is that, like, a part of this assault against the indigenous people, the same way they used alcohol in the times of the Wild West, you know? I wonder if this, you know, the drug situation has weakened certain populations of, you know, indigenous Hawaiians, and maybe this is a a part of a pattern of assault against these people, right? I mean, can you guys speak to the situations, the relationship between the indigenous and the, you know, encroachers? I mean, there are obviously people who are born in Hawaii who consider themselves native Hawaiians who are not obviously indigenous, but there's a different you know, pedigree when it comes to these elites who have no ability to assimilate, right? They don't even, they're not even interested in it. They just take what's theirs or what they think is theirs and make things in their image. Yes, absolutely. Uh, The poor here are really poor and they're mostly locals and drugs have ravaged Hawaii, particularly methamphetamines, ice. For anyone who's interested, I did a video. I have a YouTube channel called Truth Filled Trajectory, and I drove around all the worst areas of the island and just with a dash cam and just filmed all these, you know, areas that have been crime-ridden and homelessness and stuff. Just to show you the other side of Hawaii a bit, too, it's just, it's worth watching just for that. I do a little narration, but I kind of let just people listen just take it in without too much talking but yeah the drugs have been terrible here ice has ruined why we call ice crystal meth you know i know a lot of people that have fell to the wayside from that personally and 
especially Native Hawaiians. I think it's a real genocide they pulled. And I actually pinpoint it to the exact time in 1993 when that was the 100th anniversary of the illegal overthrow of the Hawaiian kingdom. That's when I noticed the ice epidemic happening in Hawaii. Coincidentally or not, I don't think it's coincidence because Hawaiians were kind of starting to motivate that particular time and organize and then ice comes into the community and just ravaged Hawaii. I mean, you know, before it was just weed and, you know, we all, you know, that's a normal, you know, that doesn't do anything to anybody, but actually probably makes people think a little more intellectually where this one just destroys, makes holes in your brain and I mean, you know, we all know that. But, yeah, so, yeah, that's what I've seen is the drugs have taken over a lot here and ruined a lot of our lower income areas as, as well as just, like, our overall safety and stuff. But now people break into your vehicle all the time. you got to watch stuff here. I know it's the case on Big Island, too, and now we all these islands. Hawaii has yeah. gotten worse and worse. So mm. that's what I've seen. Definite, as it, as it is, like... Genocide. As it is all over the country, it's, you know, the same trend yeah. happening all over the country, you know, well, and um, this is that people aspect. becoming more disenfranchised and losing their minds. And it's an aspect yeah. of, you know, this assault against the citizens of the United States. And, you know, sure, maybe I'm a little biased saying that it started with Clinton, well, really George H.W. Bush, then Clinton and his son, George W. Bush. It seems like Hawaii has been affected by skull and bones. What I dug up in my research was one of the first missionaries, Christian missionaries, and the whole Christian missionary movement within the United States was started at Yale and Harvard. Of course, skull and bones is at Yale, but my listeners know that. They've heard me say that ad nauseum. But apparently, one of the first Christian missionaries to Hawaii was one of these people that were educated by Yale ministers. And then from there, they had this inn into Hawaii, like the elite from the East Coast at that time, around the same time they were making all this money expanding through the West. They also seeded hawaii and you know have this whole takeover but yeah it's just really sad to see this war still being waged and uh, in the same turn of the sword i would say it's uh, it's a moment that we should all take advantage of in the sense that you know when hawaii first was let's say disgraced by colonialism there was no social media. There was no internet. There was no even telephone <laughs> network of communication, right? So now we can see all of this, and I'm really grateful to have you guys here to talk about this and expose what's really going on from people who are actually there, so to speak. And uh, yeah, I think you know people who are on the islands, people who are on the mainland here in the states, I mean, we can all stand up and make a difference and put an end to this type of action that it, I mean, it's genocide. It's it might seem it, it's mass murder is it you know and this is my 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 opinion from this is the way I feel this is what the evidence shows me. It's just it's free, it's absolutely mass murder. It's child sacrifice on the biggest level that 
I don't even know when there's been such a large child sacrifice in the last hundred years here in the United States. I mean, how the number of people in, you know, killed in this. And that's just, I think that not to just, not to try to drum up shock and horror and, you know, anymore in people. But I mean, I just think it's so key that people realize they're being massively lied to by the media. There's, you know, the media saying that only a hundred people died. And even if it was, that'd be horrible too. But the facts are, no, it's way, way more people just died of horrific death. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It's, that's unbelievable. I mean, you think that in 9-11 about 3,000 people died. Well, here's a third of that here in Hawaii, which is way less populated. The whole town just got incinerated. But I did want to mention the anomalies of this fire. Now, we, I'm, I've been with the, I don't know if you can say with it, but I've been, you know, awake to what's been going on for quite a while as far as like these elites and back when there wasn't much of an alternative media and now there is, and that's good, but there's also some caution. I like to throw to the wind when people start just throwing in, it was directed at energy weapons. It was, you know, as if they know, we don't know. And I like to say that I don't know with what actually started the fire, but there was definitely some anomalies with this and, I think it's important for people to know that these elites have the power of God at their disposal. I mean, they can steer storms, as we know, hurricanes, they have weather weapons, they can make earthquakes. So this definitely could have been done, even with the directed energy weapon. But look, I don't know either. But my theory is just looking at chemtrails for a long time and how they are able to, so they dump nano. Some people know, call Margellans. They're you know, these self-replicating nanofibers. Well, a theory I have is, and this is totally just a theory, but could they steer a fire with these kind of nanobots? You know, because the way that the fire goes around certain things. I'm looking at the banyan tree right now on my phone in Lahaina, Maui, and this is one of the biggest banyan trees in the world, and the, it's scorched a little bit but there's picnic benches totally intact right there. And then right behind it, whole building just incinerated to ash or some of the things like there's melton, molten metal that is next to trees still growing. And there's just a lot of things that went on here that do point to some kind of, whether it's weather control or we don't know, but my friend and his girlfriend on Maui, they weren't in Lahaina, both felt like they got microwaved when they were at their house. They, and so I, they are close to another fire, which isn't reported as much, up country Maui called Kula. And so they had for three days, they were eating seaweed and trying to like, you know, quit trying to detox themselves from whatever happened to them. So some serious weird stuff did go on there. I don't know what, I, we don't know. None of us have the answers to this, but I would well, like you know, to say that this was definitely something that was not just someone lighting a match and, you know, that's it, and potential fire for sure. Go ahead, Sam. Oh, I was just going to say, there, there are the, some videos that have come out from people's home security cameras 
that show uh, some real bright flashes of light coming from back in the woods. So, so let's say it's their camera on their porch and they're, it's facing like a bunch of wooded area and you'll see these really bright flashes happening back there and then a fire starts. So, you know, that is, that's highly questionable. And Um, oftentimes in the past, I mean, 10 or so years that I've been aware of these forest fire theories, you know, obviously it's a different case when we have a place like California where the brush isn't managed and it builds up over decades and then it all burns like a cinder box. I mean, these are situations where the heat that's generated is so high that it can take down an entire tree. It can take down an entire forest. Now, you know, what we're looking at when we look around the destruction in Hawaii, as you pointed out, scorch marks on a tree, yet a picnic bench made out of treated wood that theoretically has lower, you know, point at which it would light on fire than a tree would. You know, and, and that seems mm-hmm. unscathed, right? And that's just one of many, I'm sure, examples. Obviously, trees all over the place now, oftentimes they're pointed at like, hey, well, why is this tree not on fire? You can make the argument that the tree has enough water in it, you know, to sure. to withstand. Oh, but absolutely. when these are in drought conditions, I mean, we can imagine that argument also it doesn't make as much sense, right? Because we're looking at a drought, so wouldn't the tree also be equally susceptible as a house to lighting on fire in the drought conditions? I mean, a tree and a house are definitely not the same, not made out of the same materials even, but but yeah, I just I think this is the same way when you put something in the microwave you know, there are things that you cannot put in your microwave, right? I mean, if you put certain things in your microwave, it will explode. Whereas if you put, let's say, you know, potatoes or macaroni and cheese, it's going to cook, right? You put it in there long enough, you might dry it out and then incinerate it, but you'd have to keep it in the microwave for maybe an hour. And obviously we're talking about different scales of power here from your kitchen microwave to a, you know, theoretical weapon, which... There are patents for these types of weapons. They use them for crowd control. Loomis, you mentioned your friends had an experience that felt like being microwaved. So I'm sure there are countless examples of this happening outside of Hawaii. But yeah, it just, it seems to me like that's what we're looking at, where you have this sort of frequency that ignites, vaporizes, incinerates, whichever verb, adjective you want to use, it has a pinpoint you know it's it seems like it's engineered to destroy things within a certain band of frequency does that stand to your guys's logic am i making sense here yeah i think you were making sense definitely yeah i understand i mean that's from all the information about that technology you that i've researched and stuff you're saying it right yeah that is the Because it just, it feels like that that would be the most effective way to pull off that sort of devastation if you were trying to control, you know, where the devastation occurred, right? I mean, thinking from the perspective of the elites who want to own this property, yeah, I can see them justifying it, right? I mean, they... 
certainly have done worse or equally bad things to the indigenous in the past. So, yeah. 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 And maybe to add in there too, 5G is a weapon system too. It's the millimeter wave and who knows what they can do with that too. And I'm pretty sure, not positive, but Lahaina was 5G. Just to think that, you know, there there's many things they can do with these phased array antennas, you know, their steerable antennas. It's possible that they didn't even have to do it from space. They could have done it from ground, from a tower that we have. There, I noticed there's two cell phone towers still standing after all that fire as well. Now, so there's a lot, there's a lot to look at with that, I think. Well, now I'm just spitballing here, but maybe this is something that folks more equipped can look into maybe you too but uh, what if you know everybody has a what is it called a smart meter on their house now in these 5g verified areas right so what if it's a matter of just turning up the energy intake on these smart meters to where within unison they're all sort of coalescing more and more of this millimeter wave energy until it's like just radiating heat right i mean that is one of the effects of radiation it's heat and as you pointed out they're treating this situation this area where this event occurred like it's radiated they're not letting people access it for maybe one reason or another maybe it's to keep the people inside of it that are that could be saved you know keep them where they are i mean that's just it's just sinister to I, think, I think that that's what people. they're doing I think that they're keeping people isolated and they're limiting their ability to have internet service and they're keeping them very isolated and they're, and blocking supplies from them. I think a lot of the reasoning is for like, they don't want their, these people's voices to get out. If some people have things that they witnessed, things that they saw yeah. Communicating with each other. They're saying, Hey, that was fucked up. Why'd they block the roads? You know, you know, on and on. I think that the system is just doing its own like damage control, corralling, trying to keep their voices from getting heard. That's in a way the toxicity that they don't want getting out, I think is just the truth. They don't want the truth getting out. And so they're, you know, making it really difficult on these people to where they're only ha they're just having to focus on just survival. Like they're not even allowed to drive. This is a few days ago. They weren't even, people weren't even allowed to drive across a little ways across the Island out of that area to get the, the medication that they needed. They would have to go to the park and stand in this absurdly long line, like a line you'll never get to the front of. And that, and to get a little a permission slip written from the police saying that you're free to travel, you know, and, you know, so, I mean, they're doing everything they can to make this. Yeah. Just really hard on the people in that area. I think just so that they just don't have the time to get the truth out and, you know, just on and on. Yeah, yep. I mean... And maybe on a broader picture, too, we got fires in Canada now, in Vancouver, and this hurricane, anomalous hurricane coming toward Southern California, at least in this recording, 
I wonder if they're trying to do a big proving to the world, hey, climate change is real. We have to act now because look what happened to Lahaina. Look what happened to Canada. You know, I have a feeling that they're trying to really like yeah. ramp up climate change. And that's what happened. 100%. COVID. Yeah. Because when COVID kind of died out, I was like, okay, what are they going to focus on next? And that's kind of where I put my focus for a while with this engineered climate change through weather modification. Cause that's the real climate change for quite a few months there on my own show. And it's just because this is the next part of their agenda. They talked about climate lockdowns. I wouldn't be surprised that they're trying to do all this in the big picture because I was looking at the fires. One more point I want to make is I was looking at the fires in Vancouver and the way they are burning, there's just lots of black smoke above it. And it's the same way Lahaina burned. And if, I mean, look, I don't know a lot about fires, but it doesn't look like fires I've seen before in my past, in the past, before all this happened. And, Oh, another point I wanted to make, too, is I know a lot of people make the point that aluminum oxide, which is one of the ingredients out of chemtrails, is flammable, which it is, but they've been spraying our skies for 20, 20, over 25 years full scale, and we didn't have these fires. So I think, going back to the beginning, that they sprayed something or whatever, wherever it came from, that haze that we saw was some type of fire accelerant, not your normal stuff that even comes out of a chemtrail. So I believe they're doing something new that are new as in these crazy fires we've seen all over the world in the last, what, five years or so. I think that they're putting some new accelerant material out there that we haven't quite identified yet because that haze, I think, has something to do with it that we saw before the fires and the day of the fires. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it seems to be the pattern. I mean... I wasn't this close to anything like this in the past. I remember when, I mean, this is really the first thing event of its kind in the past of my podcast. I mean, we started in 2020 after the whole pandemic situation. And I can't think of anything in between that I've covered like this there have been fires in california but the peng one was uh, that's not what they officially call it but the one in paradise california was i think in what 2018 or 2017 so you know these things these things have been happening for quite a while but you mentioned earlier that they pledged to become specifically at maui right to become the first smart city how was that phrase exactly well, governor was... green said that governor green made that declaration in, at the at a un meeting recently and wow. so basically to be like an emission free right all green energy hawaii would be like the first state to reach that and of course, the only government sanctioned plan for doing anything like that is just involves like a te- technocratic smart cities. And just, it's a very, not very, I mean, people would still think the whole like green agenda is like at all positive or just vastly misled. But uh, yeah, so he made that declaration. There was something else I was going to mention about it. Oh, he also did a thing recently, or it's exactly him, but there was a another thing passed, I guess, stating 
that in the event of like a natural disaster, Hawaii could rezone land. So that was, uh, I got the basic gist of it correct, but that was just recently done. And there, you know, there was also this kind of move insurance companies made this move, this switch where they had, I guess, already decided that there, they would not be honoring people's insurance claims in like a natural disaster here. I don't know all the details on that, but I know that a lot of people are basically just suddenly getting hit with the news that they're not going to get insurance money for their homes burning up. Yeah. Biden's um, going to give them $700 as if that'll get them. Anything. I mean, it's all in a wound, man. It's like, can you be any more evil and disrespectful? Like, yeah, it's just, I mean, maybe if we all identify as Ukrainian, then yeah, if it was we'll the Ukraine, if it was the Ukrainian island that got hit, I'm sure there would be you know thousands of uh, I'm, soldiers there. I'm a transgender them. Ukrainian now. <laughs> well, and, know, and to so. get into the absurd, yeah, me too. To get into yeah. the absurd, you know, Mountain Dew, of course, they have their disgusting Baja Blast flavor, and I don't know if Baja. You know, that's obviously down there in Mexico. If the trade winds go by Baja as they come up to Hawaii or what the whole situation is with that. But Mountain Dew came out with a flavor called Maui Burst and they released it weirdly enough in October 2019. And then it became a permanent flavor in February 2020. So I don't know, kind of weird timing there. Maybe not. But I saw some memes that people were posting saying that you know mountain dew or just these corporations in general are flashing these sort of predictive programming symbols that seem to hint at these sorts of events did you guys see anything like that any sorts of predictive programming outside of the things you guys mentioned already i mean obviously those were more i would say credible than this whole mountain dew thing which you guys have talked about so far for sure more credible but in the realm of the absurd i mean have you guys seen anything that maybe you automatically dismissed or just think is meant to be kind of uh division or to or distraction rather well mark i have i realize on my end i have to wrap this up in about a couple of minutes uh gotta That's get fine. back to work but i just want to i hadn't seen any i'm not anything like that personally but i bet you there's more that'll prop up possibly a simpsons episode i think there was already you know there's stuff out there that's probably been out there for years too about this but we'll kind of see that yeah but yeah i probably have to wrap it up here that's fine. Hey, tell us where we can tune in. Obviously, Chant It Down is a podcast you've been doing for a long time, but tell folks, you know, where they can go to support you and all that good stuff before you go. We'll wrap this up after. Okay, sure. Yeah, so you can find me on any podcast player, Chant It Down. I've been doing it for 10 years, had many guests, many subjects. If you like what we're talking about here, there's much more there. I've had Seb on, and I've had you, Mark, on. And, uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Shannon Down, as well as Telegram. I'm not a big social media person, but I, and I have a YouTube channel. I plugged that earlier, Truth Field Trajectory. 
And I do have a Patreon show called Afterthought that someone can subscribe to as an additional show that I do. And I appreciate you, Mark, for having me on. Great talks. And this is really good to get out there for people that really want to understand this situation. I think we've nailed down some really important facts today that really show the, pr- the beginning beforehand, the pre-fire, plus the reaction to it and all the anomalies. This couldn't just be just some random wildfire that wiped out an entire town. So anyway, I appreciate you having me on and thank you everyone. Yeah, no, thank you, brother. You know, it's, it's a solemn and sad time, but it's, I am grateful to know you and to be a podcaster in rank with you and to have you on at dispatch for situations like this is definitely, yeah, it's a, it's something we need to do more often, you know, get these sorts of messages out there. But before we wrap up, Seb, you want to tell the folks about your show or what you have in store, any ways they can get in touch with you, maybe even people who live in Hawaii want to get in touch with either of you. Let them know how they yeah, can do that. Yeah, totally, man. Totally. Yeah, so... Seb on Instagram, uh, my handle is Sebtastic, C-E-B-T-A-S-T-I-C. I do a lot of stand-up comedy, so you can see some of that on there. And I, yeah, I've, I'm starting a podcast so far, just one episode. with That was with Loomis, really going to put more energy into doing a podcast. It's called Diggable Light Podcast. Right now, it's only available on Spotify, but I'm going to get to back to work on it here soon once I finish up a bunch of other things I'm working on. But yeah, I just wanted to wrap this up just by saying, you know, I I love the Hawaiian people. They're terrific people. We're all terrific people, you know. And this has what's happened here is kind of like everyone's really traumatized. And everyone over here has a friend or has a friend of a friend who just died. And so it's, everyone's in shock and it's going to take some time, I think, before people are able to kind of wake up to the details of what just went down. And that's really important. I feel like, you know, and I just wanted to give this one kind of, message to people listening to this is I would urge all of you to maybe not just jump right away to discussing whether or not it was directed energy weapon or not. I just really feel like that's not the most important thing here. You know, right. You know, pointing out, you know, why did they shut off the water? Why did they block the roads? Why is the media only saying that a hundred people died when really it's probably going to end up being over a thousand, you know, and it's well known that there's a body count of 500 right now. That's the first responders on the ground saying that, you know? So those are the things I would say, you know, if you, it's really important. I'd urge everyone to, you know, communicate to their friends and loved ones, anyone who they will give them an ear, but yeah, communicate those things. And let's not, you know, I feel like a lot of times people who maybe new to conspiracy can kind of be like a, a someone who just became vegan, you know, okay, yeah, a, a no, little extreme. We, and we don't need any proselytizing. Right oh, it was directed energy weapons right. that 
is actually owned yeah. by Bill Gates. It's like, who cares? You know, <laughs> you know, like there's this, and you'll just only turn some people off. And exactly. Make, you know, well, and, and that's why that you're crazy. That's why we have these conversations here to equip ourselves to, you know, walk with wisdom and responsibly. Cause yeah, we don't want to red pill someone so quickly that they go off and, you know, turn people off to this stuff. And if you yourself are excited about this and you want to talk about it, yeah, stick with what's important, what's really yeah. relevant and that's the lives lost and how we can seek I hate to use this word but vengeance for what's been done I mean not just there but all over North America South America Africa Asia yeah. I mean these things are happening all over the world so I mean we need to stop it we need to recognize that they really have no limits to the evil that they will do right. they are completely unbridled by morality or anything, they have no limits to the lengths of direct attack and murder that they will take right. to get their agenda done. And this whole, the whole green movement, the whole climate scam, it's all leading to a very dark dystopian future that they want to enact, which is, you know, just absolute communistic minority report. Yeah kind of you know 15 minute cities just lock down life well and, and then if you're outside of that you know what, what would be like the the bums you know and, and, living on and, the scraps and that's exactly why it's so important to have this conversation now so people can become aware and take the steps necessary to prevent this dystopia from being upon us but yeah seb Loomis, I appreciate you both. Loomis, I know you got to go back to work, brother. It's still early over there in Hawaii while it's pretty late over here. So I'm going to be going home and going to bed. But anyways, thank you so much, folks, for for listening. Support these fellows. Get in touch with them if you live in Hawaii or if not. If you want to send some support, please do so. And, and yeah, until next time, immerse yourself in the moment wherever you are in the now. And that was our conversation with Seb and Loomis. Be sure to follow Seb on Instagram at Sebtastic. And if you're on the Big Island, go and check out one of his comedy shows. Yeah, I think he's on the Big Island. And then uh, Loomis, shout out to Loomis. He is the host of Chan It Down Radio, a fantastic podcast that you should listen to. Subscribe to it wherever you're listening to this show. Support us on Patreon, Rockfin, and Substack. Be sure to send a one-time donation. We cannot do this without your support. At Mystic Mark on Venmo, at Mystic Mark on PayPal. There are other ways to support. Those are all listed in the description. We've got merch. We've got PDFs available written by me. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, folks. And uh, enjoy part two with my good friend Roman from the Rising from the Ashes podcast, as well as the Esoteric America podcast, which still lives on, folks. Don't worry. We're just in a small hiatus right now. We will be back. But until then, enjoy this episode with Roman.
Alright, ladies and gentlemen, here we are on a very special emergency, 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 emergency <laughs> podcast because, you know, this knucklehead has been so busy, he's been so responsible, getting things done in his life, I just had to have him on to A, congratulate him, but also clown him a little bit. Check it out. Thank you. So what's up? We've got Roman, a.k.a. Homie Romy, from formerly known as the co-host of The Rising from the Ashes and Esoteric America, although he will be back one day, yep. sure. But it, now you're you're living an island life proper, bro. So what's going on? Before we get into the whole Maui situation, tell everybody how you've been. Oh, thanks, brother. Well, it's an honor to be back on the mic with you. It's been a while. Yeah, like I had planned to obviously keep the show up and running and going as much as I could, but see, the issue was... I'm on a... I'm, on a, I'm doing a potty. Sorry. I'm, I'm doing a potty. That's what I said. Can you believe this right here? Anyways, my friends, I was actually, that, so synchronistically enough, I just graduated yoga school. I came out here to do my yoga school and walking along the lanai, walking along the balcony out here was the actual lady who threw and ran the yoga school, my teacher that just walked by. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So I, so yoga changed my life. Six years ago, started doing yoga. Never thought I would ever be the kind of guy that would ever find his ass in a yoga studio on a mat doing these things. Right? I never thought I would be, I would never thought that would be me. So six years ago, I'm starting to develop my practice and going deeper in and, and finding all the things happening in my body and my mind. And I, I started getting, you know, start getting really into it. And then one day I call my friend who I just saw randomly out here on the streets of Kona. And I said, Melissa, I need to go to yoga school. Like where and what the fuck should I do? She was like, well, I was actually on the phone this morning with the yoga Alliance trying to get my yoga studio here in Kona registered as a yoga school. We're going to be hosting a training starting in May. And I said, this morning you were on the phone with the yoga Alliance. That's crazy. That's wild. I was like, oh, obviously this call was destined, so I'm going to sign up to do school with you. And then I went from living in California on a farm where I had all this extra time because I was living and working on the farm to do esoteric research, deep historical research, podcast with the boys and all the things to coming out here where it's a six hour time difference from you, three hour time difference from the, the east, the west coast. And I find it a lot harder to get on the mic and have correlating schedules with everybody, but it doesn't mean the research has stopped. Okay. The, the epiphanies have stopped. Yoga school is happening. So I'm officially teaching the, the classes and that is going great, sir. Thank you so much for asking. And now I'm standing here. I'm not seeing any smoke. I'm not smelling any fires, but boy, oh boy, it has been a fucking crazy time since the Lionsgate portal had opened. Well, and it's so weird, dude, because you mentioned synchronicities. You got my mind jogging. But you, rem I remember before you went back to Hawaii, you were saying, like, dude, something's just calling me back there, you know? And Seb Bland, who I know you met recently, he was a guest on my show. 
and he he just came back and for the second time to talk about the Hawaii thing, and he moved back to Hawaii. He's from Hawaii. He moved back there very recently. So I just find it curious that all these you know awake people were being called to the island at this very special, tragic, you know, unique time. And yeah, I, I wonder if there's something something in that. Remember we were talking about the the sort of Pele spirit and how she either like pulls you in or spits you back out, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's have you ever heard of astrocartography? Yeah. So astrocartography is like this type of astrological map that is laid out where the planets are like according to on like the 360 grid. And so like it's you you have these different specific planetary lines that kind of like show you where where these different special places on the earth can bring you either love, pain, joy, you know, money, work, learning and different things like that. So Hawaii is on there for a lot of people and even through this. So it's funny because you think about active volcanoes and how it's emitting, you know, earth and energy, raw, pure magmatic energy and how humans just naturally gravitate to areas that have bigger gravity. And like what we've discussed about, on Esoteric America, we found that, I don't know if you remember, we found that mrdata.usgs.gov map that showed us the magnetic and gravity anomalies. Mm-hmm. We were using that as a resource for a bit, right? Mm-hmm. And you look at the East Coast and it says like ultraviolet on the scale, massive amounts of gravity and, ma- and magnetism. The The Middle East is like anti-gravity, which doesn't make it a bad thing. I'm not saying that ever. And in the West coast where there's more fault lines, you have more magnetic energy. And these, these go by the edges of the fault lines, the tectonic plates. Um, and so when you find yourself at an active volcano, uh, you're going to have so much like ultraviolet on the scale of, you know, color gradients. The ultraviolet is the highest you can go. You're going to have massive amounts of magnetic and gravitic energy that just people are naturally going to, find themselves circling towards and it's going to move in this like circular fashion and people want to come here, whether they know like it's subconscious or not, if it's a subconscious, like pulling towards that energy or if it's a, a conscious choice to be like, I need to go. Like I had this thought, I had this dream, I had this memory. I need to go here. Something's pulling me here. And so you have like the circle of life fully kind of embodied into the island in general, this, this death and rebirth that constantly happens because you have, once you step foot, you're, you're surrounded by beauty, wonderful, you know, skies, trees, water, all the things. But then at any moment, technically you could just fucking be burned by lava and be one with the basalt, one with the lava rock at any spontaneous moment, you know? Which is which is the same for any part of Earth. We are on the planet in which that any of these quote unquote disasters can happen at any time. So it's very fucking interesting that there's a connection between consciousness, magnetism, gravitism, and all these things. I don't know if gravitism's a word. Sorry, everybody. I do that sometimes. But there's a, there's a connection between the birth of consciousness and volcanoes. 
And so you have this connection between these ancient secret societies and Vulcan worship, volcano worship, or the necessity to go underground and meet in caves to meet underground and, you know, the potential that the energy of the pyramids is just a, a replica of what the inner workings, esoterically speaking, the inner workings of a volcano represent. And so like they have all of this, the symbolism across the board and why, why it's like, if you had millions and billions of dollars, you know, you can go and buy your own private island and do anything, you know, but there are so many specific celebrities that have to have places out on this island chain, this specific island chain. And so there's a big fucking history with Hawaii. And we, we need to give it due diligence with a, with a, a multi-part series on esoteric America. I do believe on this topic, and I'm rambling. Can, can you guys, can, let's, let's I'll reel you in. No, you. I'll reel you in. You're doing fine, bro. And I wanted to have you share that more esoteric, mystically oriented perspective. The word that you used is a real word. I just, you might have pronounced it slightly wrong, but I'm pretty sure you said gravitation. That's a, that's a word. But I anyway. said gravitism. Yeah, that's but, a word. You know. Gravitism's a word. But anyways. Okay. Yeah, it's the, it's the same as magnetism. It's just, the, you know, you can add an ism to any word and it, it becomes a word. It's just the study of. So gravitism is the study of gravity, I think. <laughs> I could be even stupider right now saying that. But hey, that's my job <laughs> as the host is to vamp and save your ass because you're my guest. But I did want to dive into that more mystical angle because, yeah, that. You know, Seb and Loomis, you know, such uh, such good guys. Like, they really did come on the show and kind of cover all the bases. And I felt like that was kind of the best approach. And I'm going to add this conversation to that episode. So people will probably be listening to this after they have just heard Loomis, Seb, and I talk. But, you know, Seb and Loomis, they're very grounded in, like, hey, this is a tragedy. We need to, like, actually consider the lives lost. And... I'm not saying that you're taking this lightly. I know you respect and understand the weight of the situation, but I think just due to our rapport and our friendship, you and I could have a more lighthearted approach to this solemn and sad topic uh, because, you know, people, they're going to hear crazy stuff. They're going to see memes. They're going to see the Maui burst flavor of Mountain Dew and think, what the is this? And why did this come out around the same time that Maui burst into flames, right? I mean, that's kind of weird. On my own note, I released an episode of the podcast the day before the fire happened with a guy whose pseudonym is Doc Inferno. So that was a little weird huh. synchronicity for me. Uh-huh. And not to mention Tara's friend, a very good friend, lives in Maui. And she had been visiting Connecticut for the week up to that day. She had gotten wow. back to Maui, I think, the day after the fire or the day before. But, but yeah, it was just weird that we were hanging out with her friend who lives in Maui like the week before that happened. So, yeah, very, wow. very synchronistic. And obviously, you know... That's not something that I'm like patting my back. I like, oh, my podcast is connected to like, no, I, I think really what it means is there are winks, there are nods from the universe that you should pay attention to certain things. And considering 
the amount of people I know live in Hawaii, you, Seb, Loomis, and a couple others that I've met through the podcast and in my personal life, you know, I think that that's all that really means. But as far as like the mystical and the weird and the wild, I'm, I mean, what, what do you, what's your take on this situation? Because as far as I know, Hawaii is not a place where you have a lot of dry brush fires, right? I mean, you, we're talking about a tropical <laughs> environment for the most part. Obviously, each island has its own climate, but it's my understanding that there's a dry season and a wet season, and then each mountain has a dry side and a wet side. So, like, is this something that seems likely or is it sort of preposterous based on what you know about the climate in Hawaii? Just intuitively speaking, just to say like the first day one that it, that, that it happened, I had the same feeling I had when COVID came to be. It was this feeling that just <laughs> like, first of all, I also want to mention really quick. I lived in Mendocino in Humboldt, California, where wildfires like this happen a lot right and so the fishiness and the discernment to be able to kind of like be like what's really going on here you know under the umbrella of like covering up something you know like a dastardly deed by these you know men in suits covering something up with a quote-unquote natural disaster is like the best way to do anything if you were to try to get away with something is to be able to control natural disasters because then there's really no one to blame and you would be crazy to think that anybody who could control the weather would control the weather for such dastardly deeds right so it is really the perfect type of scheme so if it's a consideration to wrap the head around it being something plotted and set up take us back to the beginning of 2023 with the world economic forum and the davos committee when the Davos committee came out and did their algorithms and did their predictions for what was going to be happening in the year of 2023, they call it the year of the polycrisis. Okay. The year of the polycrisis is what we are living in. If the algorithms and predictions of the world economic forum Davos committee, 2023, was correct, right? Gathering all of the Earth's information on the internet and running it through these these computer algorithms so then therefore the, the, the richer can stay richer and be on top of whatever twists and, sh- and shifts may happen. So something like this is inevitable in the eyes of the AI computer generation simulation, right? So it was inevitable. And if you go back to these, the page on the World Economic Forum, or maybe I can try to find this old link that I had that was a great fucking article on the Davos breakdown this year, that, that, that this was going to happen. And everything that led up to it, obviously all these bills being passed, the, the Mountain Dew thing, right? That's a, that's a strange one. Also, there's this book, this book that was literally published called The, the, the Wildfires on Maui. Somebody either read it wrote it overnight and published it the next day. Right. <laughs> I gave you I gave you one on the last one, but written is not a word, Roman. <laughs> okay, yes. No, no. Written. There was a book written. There was a book written. Did they did, did you Isn't guys do a chance to talk fire? about the book? Yeah, it's called Fire and Fury and according to what yep. Seb told us, the the author put it out 48 hours after the events. And what's yep. weird is that the book describes itself as a description of the three days 
of and after the fire. But the book uh-huh. came out two days after the fire began. So, you know, what's going on? Is the third day all just fiction? You know, like, wow, how did this guy predict the future in his book? And, and also, I mean, is this AI? How does somebody you know publish a whole book like that that quickly? He- it's absolutely, it is absolutely AI. It's absolutely using chat GPT to come up with a concept and, you know, to help clean it up. Something along those lines, absolutely. And it's something that we should really pay attention to. Is like, get it on your Amazon, like, wish list or whatever, whenever this author is going to pump something out. Because it's, it's clearly one of those cases of, you know, being able to, I, I forget the word, <clears throat> where you, you 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 display it to the public Google in order bomb. to keep your cosmic karma. Oh, oh you're talking about revelation of the method, yeah. So, yeah, re- so revelation huge... of the method is like what Michael Hoffman wrote about, and how they sort of give people hints and clues as to what their real plan is in order to release themselves of the karmic debt that they might accrue by committing atrocities, you know, so, so to speak, they're saying, well, we told you about it before it happened. So you could have stopped us. Right. Like, but I I think that that's a little trite, you know, that's a little cliche, but I do agree with you. I think what this is, is a situation where it's controlling the narrative and also maybe not so much Google bombing because I don't know that anybody's going to be typing in the terms fire and fury, which is the title of the book. That's what a Google bomb is. A good example of that is like Black Panther. Like the movie Black Panther is so popular that if you tried to search for the group Black Panthers, it might be harder to do that because of the movie or like, you know, something like Obama's Fast and Furious scandal. Like that would be so hard to find because of the 20 movies named fast and furious. So, but I think with this, you know, this author, he's written a book about Hunter Biden before. So clearly we know what he, and it was, it was a sympathetic book about Hunter Biden. So we know what agenda he's on the side of, but yeah, it's, it's very strange. I mean that and the police officer and I guess he's in charge He's the first sheriff in charge in that area who's a non-Hawaiian in in the history of that area. And he he just so happened to be a police officer during the Vegas shooting in Vegas. So something happened there where obviously he got some kind of promotion and, you know, got to go get a better job in Hawaii and came in handy when this situation unfolded. I mean, it's just, I know we have this cynical look at things because of our, you know, knowledge set, the things that we study, but what do you think, man? I mean, is that too far-fetched? You're, you're, you're on Big Island, right? You're not actually on Maui. So let me tell you what happened. Okay, so absolutely, the cop, the cop, the chief officer, there's so many political players that, like, were set as just pawns in this position to basically like either cover a base that needed to be covered loosely or set the table to make this a bigger disaster than it had to be and it's like this is how it moves a slow shift uh, and and how much money and and blackmail is going on in these things it's no doubt in my mind like you can just look at just even five of these 
bullet points and like if you can't wrap your head around the conception of that then I, I i'm sorry you know but this stinks so so much it is probably what the fishiest thing i've smelled since covid and yeah like you know the, the train rails going off the canadian wildfires all part of it but this one specifically is is a big deal and uh, going back to the davos you know polycrisis scandal simulation what have you if this is we're almost to the end of 2023 i want to put money on the next thing planned if this is the biggest thing that they had planned for the year then i i would be i mean great but if there has to be something that's going to happen after this, or what is the World Economic Forum Davos simulation going to say for 2024 and what's planned for that with the election popping off? And, you know, to add to the fishiness, you know, it's my understanding. Loomis told us that Maui is one of the most locked down places in the world. It has the highest you know, amount of security surveillance system equipment per square foot and maybe more so than London. I don't know. But I'm wondering, you know, given what's going on in Hawaii in general with all these tech billionaires, you know, buying land and whatnot, do you think that the smart city rumors are true? I mean, there is that whole thing that they want to set up a smart city in, in Maui. Do you think this could be connected to it? Undoubtedly, undoubtedly, <laughs> the, the FEMA camp, smart city, like separations, like you're going to have on one end, you're going to have like supreme shitty FEMA section eight housing built. And on the other end is going to be grid lockdown. Either way, they're highly controlled. They're highly, highly controlled and highly more observational because Hawaii has been inevitably something that's been stuck 20 years in the past. For example, you come out here to Big Island and Kona, you're going to see shit that you would have literally saw in the 90s happening. It's a it's a place that gets millions of dollars of revenue, but has never once had the politicians or anybody want to try to upgrade anything. It's, we're very far behind the times with everything. And so having Oahu where there's over a million people on the whole island as the population compared to a place like Big Island where we have 150,000, but three times the size landmass than Oahu. Oahu has over a million people in population and Big Island has 150,000, maybe 200,000 sometimes, but there's so many people that move. And so... <clears throat> Like they're slowly incubating the islands, but there's something protecting Big Island. And it might have to do with the fact that there is a active live volcano here. And that like this battle between the gods, like that fucking fantastic book by Neil Gaiman, American Gods, where it's like a literal battle between the new gods taking over and conquering or having all the worship of technology and money compared to this ancient worship of the natural deities that exist in, in, you know, in these different archetypes of, of earth and like the true earth and something's protecting big Island. There were five fires that were started in almost one day on the big Island and they were all put out very, very quickly. Big Island is a little bit more used to having wildfires and we have a big fire department filled with a lot of good local boys that like are all about doing the fucking real work. And there were two car fires 
Well, all within the Maui time, like so on August eighth, the the Lionsgate Day, there were there was a fire in Kauai High. They tried to start that got put out. There were two arson fires, gas cans and Molotov cocktails found over by Honol's Beach. In the same day, there was a fire up by Costco. So quite literally, there was somebody who was either just a complete senile fuck that was going around and trying to light places on fire due to just to cause the stir up of the madness or somebody who was literally seed implanted and told maybe beamed information into their head to try and go start a fire. But that was happening here on the big Island. There were fires trying to start, but they couldn't, they couldn't make it. So, and this seems to be something, and I'm, I'm glad that, you know, I'm speaking with you about this because you have the added experience of being in California for those fires too. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but oftentimes there are people that take the blame for these situations and they seem to be like patsies. Like you, you have to wonder if that's a contingency plan where they're saying to themselves like, okay, we're going to blame this on climate change, but if it gets too out of hand and that doesn't make sense, we can always fall back on this, you know, planted evidence here of the Molotov cocktails and, you know, some, as you say, agitated individual, maybe someone who's on the fringes, who's being manipulated using psychotronic technology. I mean, these are things that you see more often where assault rifles and weapons are involved. But with these fires, I mean, yeah, I think that's it. It's it's almost like a, a sneakier way of, of using that technology. Because with a, a gun, you know, you're attracting a lot of attention. Whereas if you're using this psychotronic technology to manipulate someone's mind, you know, I wonder how often that kind of thing takes place and we just don't notice it because there's no event right with a arson the event is the fire it's not lighting the fire right because you can have a a misfire you can you know start a fire and it could just stop right so usually the arsonist is afforded a great deal of getaway time whereas somebody who commits like mass shooting or whatnot where you typically see people making hypothesis of, you know, these sort of targeted individuals, psychotronic weapons being involved, maybe even prescription drugs being involved. But I find that really, really fascinating that you brought that up, Roman. I mean, you might just be like throwing that out there. I don't know if you've, you heard other people say that theory. I don't know, you know, but, but I, I think that's compelling, you know, to think that somebody would be like a patsy, you know, and like, Given the methamphetamine situation in Hawaii, I'm sure they wouldn't have to look far to find somebody who could, you know, do that. I mean, it might not even necessarily necessitate. <laughs> I'm getting stuck on that necessary word. It might not even require, rather, you manipulate them with psychotronic weapons. I mean, if somebody's on the fringes enough and a meth addict, you know, they'll do anything for money, right? So. Yeah, it's just really, really, really shitty to to see the media, you know, go with this climate change thing when clearly there are so many anomalies that stand out. If if that is the theory that it's climate change, how do they explain this other stuff we're finding? Molotov cocktails. I mean, I'm sure that's just the beginning, right? Like, is that ringing any bells? That anomaly term? Like, what what other anomalies did you witness? 
Well, have it, you heard of rather? Because I know you didn't. You weren't on Ground Zero, right? Like, it's not easy to just jump over to an island, especially when this went down. Like, did they lock down the islands? Like, were people able to go to Oahu during the what was it, August eighth, when this happened? Yeah, they were definitely locking down Maui quite quite hard. Oahu had a pretty big fire the same day as well. I say Oahu, I meant Maui, sorry. You did mean Maui. You did say Oahu, but that's that's fine because there was fires on each of the islands. I don't know about Kauai, but there was fire on Oahu, on the Big Island, and on Maui. So when I say someone's trying to burn Hawaii down, that's what I mean, and they can only get away with so much. The Oahu one was pretty fucking big. It was way bigger than this year, but they don't need to do it on Oahu. Oahu is already controlled with a smart city. If you ever travel to Honolulu, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And I think it's interesting that you brought up the painkiller aspect. There's a show, brand new series on Netflix called Painkiller that came out on August 10th. That's all about the pharmaceutical opioid crisis and vaccines and things. And to have this rage of vaccines come into people's bloodstreams with metal that can be manipulated with like ulterior devices, like we were talking about, or if the drugs that people are on, fentanyl being a phone call, the pH, right? Like if they have certain specific metal alkaloids in there that can like hit people's system and stay in their bloodstream that can thus be manipulated through these types of technologies. I wouldn't doubt it. That'd be two good ways to get it. You get both ends of the spectrum. You get something that's injected into your blood because you're a good citizen. You get something that's injected into your blood because you're a piece of shit fucking drug addict, right? So everybody's affected. Everybody's affected somehow. No, that's just a theory, obviously. But so I read enough Philip K. Dick Read enough of the Ballas series of Philip K. Dick, and then you will absolutely fucking have to be a little bit on board about mind control, right? Any Philip K. Dick works is amazing. I've been going on a huge Philip K. Dick rabbit hole, and I would love to talk more about that at some point because he's probably my favorite author of all time. So good. Um, Parkinson's disease, PKD, like so much is connected with that guy. Yeah. But man, it's this is I I don't know what else to say, brother. This is a hundred percent set up scheme. Smells fishy as fuck, and we do need to be respectful and donate whatever we can to private Maui organizations. Don't do it to the Red Cross, right? The blood sucking, draculated fucks that are on there. Do it to some sort of some sort of foundation. Today, for instance, there's a huge, beautiful reggae concert being thrown up in up in Waimea, and it's free, but with donation or like we're doing free yoga classes with donation to Maui through private organizations that will actually go to people who need help. Mm. But there's over 500 people that were counted dead or in a thousand under a thousand like injured or what have you, but they've only swept the scene so much. There's really no telling how many absolute souls were, were, Perished, yeah, it's sad, man. Perished, yeah, it is so sad. We did talk about this with Seb and and Loomis. I know you weren't there, so we don't need to retread that, but it definitely, you know, seems like they're underestimating the the whole total death toll, and also there seems that they're also doing whatever they can suspiciously to stop, block any help from outside. So, yeah, it is weird Loomis mentioned that his friends who live in that specific area felt like they were being microwaved that day. Luckily, they were not injured. But yeah, it definitely seems like there's some kind of weird 
weapon at play. Loomis and Seb also mentioned seeing a weird haze in the sky the day before. And I know you don't have that much more time, so I do want to ask you about the haze. And you also said something about the Lions Gate, which I want to know about that and how that may tie into the this event. Because we know that the, the elites or whoever puts on these massive trauma rituals, they're, they're always very, you know, specific on which day they choose. They, they don't just do these things randomly. Yeah, it was funny. The haze was here on Big Island. I mean, you can see Maui from here. If you go to the north side, Kauai High on Big Island, you can see the edge of Maui. You can see it. We're really close. So yeah, there is a haze. We have this thing called VOG. When the volcano is flowing really hard, it kind of sets a haze over the island. And we call that VOG. It's volcanic smog. And I was like, I just assumed that the volcano was going pretty heavy because the amount of VOG, quote unquote, that I was seeing was like, oh shit, like, yeah, the volcano is flowing right now. Mm-hmm. And then the fires happen. And then there was more of a reason to have VOG in the air. It's like, oh, this is wildfire smoke, right? So that could very easily be something to kind of like distress the atmosphere to make more of these types of information flow like heavier and set heavier on the waves. Or if they were, see, the thing is, is I see fake clouds commonly here, but I don't see the planes that set them. So like, unlike California, where I was like literally watching planes make clouds all day, every day. Here, I'm sorry to cut you off because I'm anticipating what you're saying, so jump in if I'm not right on. But what I, what Seb told me is there's some sort of center there in Maui where they can they generate these like weather manipulation arrays, you, you know, with different frequencies and particles that they spray in the air. So I wonder if since it's a, a smaller place than California, right? Much smaller than California. Maybe they don't need the planes to deliver. Mm-hmm. That. Maybe they yeah. can, yep. you know, disperse it into the air another way. Maybe they have something smaller like drones or something. I mean, geez. Yeah. But yeah, California certainly is much larger. So maybe that's why they use planes that's, there. Yeah. That's a beautiful point because, you know, half of harp is on the ground, right? Like the planes are only one part of it in order to enact the, the things are spraying. You have to have the ground, the ground pieces going on. You have to have the, the, the grounding rod. Essentially, you're creating like the atmosphere of like a battery with like an, a static and electric charge in between. So one of them is the hot wire, one of them is ground wire, and then you have the mercurial solution in between, which is the atmosphere. And then that's the electrolytic solution. And so, yeah, you got to have two. It could be anything. I remember talking with Jim Lee a while ago, quite some time ago, and he was telling us about like boats being offshore and then they can basically like use the breeze from the, the ocean shore to set things from boats onto land. And then the ground radars can go from there. Anything on mountains is a big one. I know they have that in Colorado for making snow. So yeah. And let us not forget that here in Hawaii on all of the islands is a huge massive military presence and they are so good at keeping themselves camouflaged within Mauna Kea, the mountain that is hollowed out. If you drive around Mauna Kea, up on any of the highways, then you will see these bunkers that look like Hillshire from the Lord of the Rings. And their bunkers were have huge doors that you can easily fit jet planes into tanks and what have you. So 
uh, Hawaii is a huge military ground point. And if we were in any sort of cahoots with China, I've heard of this thing called the Hawaiian Syndicate. I don't know how much I should truly be talking about this on the air, but uh, Hawaiian Syndicate is like a family brotherhood, a, a deep secret society of true Kanakas that are at play and, and like have, have royal Hawaiian blood. And they, I have heard that they would so much rather, so much rather party partner with Chinese government than they would American government because their heritage is strongly more connected to China uh, and Japan and anywhere in Asia than they are to any European ancestry. So one of the things I talked to a military agent when he came over from Oahu to here and stopped in my cafe and I was making him some food. I started chatting with him because I was like, Oh, you're a military guy. Um, let me, let me, let me, let me ask you a couple questions. What's up with the war? And he said, they're training to go into battle by the end of 2023. And that's what I truly think is going to be the big bang starting off of the year 2024, which will be a disaster year. Um, potentially not to like, you know, black pill all the time but you know if i just i really think that's what's going to happen man i think the war stuff has been really silent and it's a little bit of a calm before the storm right now and i'm hoping that it's not and i'm hoping that we can like vibe tribe together enough to like really offset this fucking major agenda but from what i'm hearing about people that are actually in the military they are prepping up for something to at least be dispersed into the world at the end of 2023 so I don't fucking know, man. I don't know. I don't know. Yes. I know too much. I don't know at all. Yeah. Well, Hey, I do appreciate you sharing that. And yeah, that sounds a lot like what my friend Lauren Jeffries doesn't want to talk about as it pertains to his native American friends who are in a secret society. And yeah, I think outside of the China thing, yeah, I get that. I mean, we have all these colonists encroaching on Hawaii's sovereignty for, you know, centuries now. So it's really a situation that we need to look out for because these, you know, the, these Hawaiians, they represent all indigenous people when they fight for their their land and their, their territory. So, but when it comes to the Lionsgate, before we let you go, what was the situation with that? Was this, was this like an alignment? Oh, um, yes. Yeah. August is Leo. So I'm imagining that has something to do with the Lionsgate, right? But t- talk to us about that. So one more thing. Yeah, with that. And then I'm going to, I'm going to, Hele Mai is Lionsgate is a very significant day. Um, representing, you know, the Sphinx, representing the gates, representing a portal, representing an opening, representing a change, representing a transition, happens to land on August 8th, the eighth month on the eighth day. So it's 808 day. And we had a huge party here in Hawaii called 808 day because the area code for Hawaii is 808 on all the islands. So any phone number that starts out here, it starts with 808. So August 8th, Lion's Gate, known as the portal opening astrologically, you know, significant is also the same as 808, the area code of the phone numbers out here. So that is a huge anomaly in the sense of, you know, this, this agenda happening on, on 808 day, which was a huge party for everybody here, right? On Big Island, we had a huge fucking street party, huge. That night, disaster, smoke in the air right after everybody's dancing, there is a company called Lion Energy in Maui. 
lion energy connected with the energy lines that they say, you know, are owned by Vanguard and BlackRock and all these things. It's called Lion Energy. So on Lionsgate Day, on 808 Day, August 8th, Lion Energy, one of these companies co- directly connected to the wildfires and their uh, irresponsible, irresponsibility to and their neglection towards, like, you know, the safety. It, it's all, dude, it's all supremely aligned. Aligned. Whoa. The alignment. <laughs> If Gabe were here, he'd have more things to say on that. But yeah, so, and you know, the, the sound system, right? Like we didn't talk about this. I'm sure Savvy guys did, but I really find it significant that Maui has this like supremely fucking web of of horns and alarms and sirens to go off when a disaster happens. And it's not, I'm not concerned that they didn't go off, right? Everybody's like, why didn't the alarms go off? There's all these alarms. I'm like, Maybe that is what is another thing. Maybe those are the ground radars, bro. You know, like maybe those are in hiding in plain sight frequencies that are actually going into people's minds. Because if there's over 4,000 sirens on one small island, we don't have that out here on Big Island. It's bigger out here. They don't have that in Oahu. Why is it only on Maui that they have these horns and these sirens? I don't fucking know. But, you know, it reminds me of some, like, Jericho shit, you know, these trumpets, right? Like, sound frequency war. Any any of these things, man. It's, it's fucking nuts. So, I think that could have been a big part of, of the technology being used. Yeah. Wow. 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 So, Roman... I appreciate you spending twice as much time as you said you could. We've already been going for 40 minutes. I know you got some things going on, so I'll let you go. But we ought to plan a podcast soon to get into the things you've been diving deep down into. You said something about Neil Gaiman, and then you said you were diving into Philip K. Dick. So I think we could have a great conversation just about those two individuals and all the weird esoteric stuff associated with them but yeah i'll plug rising from the ashes in esoteric america i guess right i mean is there anything else you want people to follow up with you maybe people who are in hawaii who are listening to this they can get in touch with you somehow or send you some aloha love yeah man i mean rising from the ashes will rise again (laughs) we have our last episode on there is marguerite regaglio so we did a series on Immaculate Conception with some like really great authors and we have more coming up soon. But uh, yeah, if you guys are in Hawaii, you guys want to do some yoga and you're in Kona, please hit me up. I teach at the Yoga Nest Inner Alignment Studio and Fitness Forever. Come into my cafe, Local Wraps. I don't mind sharing where I work or anything. I don't fucking care at this point. It's all good. Come in, say what up. You can you reach out to me at the Rising from the Ashes pod at protonmail.com. I'd love to hear from any of you guys, like any concerns or questions or anything, hit me up. Like it's all good. Like and life's crazy and busy, but like I'm trying to I'm trying to pod, I'm trying to pod more with you, bro. I can't wait till we get on the horn again. Oh dude, of course. It's always a fun cha- fun chat. We were destined to podcast together since that episode of THC plus joint sessions. So yeah, I think we ought to do it sooner than later. Just just let me know when you're available because I'm clearly, I've got more time than you do. So you just set the table, let me know when to come down and we'll podcast. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Well, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Go and support Roman. Follow up. Hit him up if you're in Hawaii especially. And until next time, immerse yourself in the moment wherever you are in the now. 
All right, and that was our conversation with Roman, of course, Seb, and Loomis. Before that, thank you for tuning into this episode. It's a very sad situation over there in Hawaii, so I wanted to not make light of it, you know, as tends to happen with these conspiracy subjects we get wild with the speculation and as tantalizing as it is to discuss direct energy weapons what's more important is how we can help people who have been affected by this tragedy and how we can prevent this kind of thing from happening again and and in other communities so let's all say a prayer send our good thoughts and kind words to the people out there in hawaii and uh yeah i think that's all we need to say for this outro of course you can go and tune in to chant it down radio hear more from loomis roman is the man from rising from the ashes and esoteric america both podcasts will be back i think rising from the ashes is still going on uh, at full speed with dan and, uh, and the rest of the crew but um esoteric america is on a hiatus we will be back though We'll be back, and Tara and I will be making some content uh, for Esoteric America very soon, hopefully sooner than later. Uh, but yeah, that's about it for today's episode. Big shout out to The Hit Kit, hitkit.us, or The Hit Kit on Instagram. Check out The Hit Kit. Save 15% at checkout when you use the promo code CRAZY. And yeah, you've heard me talk about this before. It's a great little device, it's a great little invention keeps all of your whatever you're smoking on safe and sound so check that out and be sure to support the show with a one-time donation i want to send out some uh some stickers and i owe someone a t-shirt as well so i'm going to be doing that very shortly but uh if you send me a one-time donation this week i will also add you to the list of people to receive a free sticker i just got a bunch of new stickers in so i'm going to be sending those out sorry for the delay and that's about it. Hit us up on Venmo at Mystic Mark, uh, PayPal at Mystic Mark. All the links for that are in the description. And if you send us a donation this week, we'll give you a big old shout out. So please do that. Five star rating and review. Of course, if you can't send a, a donation, that's the best way to support the show. And remember, this is a value for value podcast, folks. So don't listen to this and think, oh, Mark, stop begging for money. Hey, this is a free product that I'm giving out and it has value. So if you can reciprocate that value back my way, that'll help me continue to do this show uh, at the amount that I put out. I mean, 12 episodes a week, that's a bargain. I know a bunch of other shows that put out way less and have tons more support. So please support the show and help us reach that 250 patron goal we're 10% of the way there now that we have about eight or nine people that signed up for the Patreon. So uh, shout out to them. They all received their shout outs, but we still obviously need to get 90% more uh, of the goal accomplished. So sign up today. The links are in the description and you also get some bonus episodes, early access to all the episodes, and of course, uh, video episodes. So go and check that out. Thank you so much, folks, for listening and uh, thoughts and prayers to the people of Hawaii, especially the indigenous people who are still fighting against colonialism. In 2023, colonialism is still happening all over the world. And this, make no mistake, 
is a byproduct of that. This tragedy, this catastrophe, it's not climate change, folks. Don't be fooled. Anyways, immerse yourself in the moment wherever you are in the now. Broadcasting the moon matrix from the lunar surface They want you confused like you never knew your purpose Hopping through the portals, dismantling the machine My family thinks I'm crazy, I can't believe what I've seen Memories of a war, the Pleiadians and Anunnaki Stuck within the genes of a copy of a human body DNA fractal, the universe within me Epiphanies of science is hoarded by the Illuminati Puppet masters know the power of the mantra Repeating mad lies till it has an effect on ya Subliminal messages hijack your perception Tricking the population with holographic projections We see through it the system is unraveling I'm astral traveling through the library of the Vatican On a sacred journey I embark with the squad Forever spitting truth like Mark on the pod Gotta know the facts, never hold back Cause I ain't getting caught up in the soul trap I dissect the fabric of reality Looking for the answers Searching through the galaxy You might be feeling stressed out Depression, anxiety is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a sick society. You don't even know how powerful you are. We the ones who gonna Look, expose the whole facade. I awoke in a deep underground military base. Zero recollection of how I got to this place. Alien corpses floating in glass cylinders must have been extracted when they crashed into us. Animal hybrids contained in the cages. A lion with the eagle head, monkeys with reptilian bases Losing my mind and I'm feeling desperate I look around the room and I see no sign of an exit All of a sudden the wall flickers away Revealing a hangar full of spacecraft, my getaway I run to the nearest one See a guard knock him out, rob him for his plasma gun Hop in the ship, take the controls They highly intuitive, I figure it out easily Lift off, accelerate through a tunnel until I see the light Fly into the sky, get flanked by six F-35s Gotta know the facts, never hold back Cause I ain't getting caught up in the soul trap I dissect the fabric of reality Looking for the answers Searching through the galaxy You might be feeling stressed out Depression, anxiety is no measure of health To be well adjusted to a sick society You don't even know how powerful you are We the ones who gonna expose the whole facade <laughs>